baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Jordana off today. It's Adam Solo. And Jordana, uh, that's not my name. It's Adam Carter, but I'm Solo, meaning I'm not changing my name to Adam Solo, although that sounds cool, so I might consider it. But Jordana's usually the one who says, you know, money, money, money. These programs, government programs need money to work, and I often push back at that. But the latest in the series, uh, if you've missed it, In Harm's Way is a four-part series in the Star Tribune that has highlighted some of the problems with protective custody, uh, child care in uh, the state of Minnesota, and particularly Hennepin County. We had Jeff Mitrot from uh, the Star Tribune on after the first piece, talking about what uh, they've uncovered there. Well, the fourth and final piece in the series has just been released, and it actually ends on a high note, meaning focusing on some of the good things that Hennepin County is doing. And my point is, back to Jordana, throwing money at things, sometimes money works. So let's start there, Jeff, as uh, we welcome Jeff onto the uh, John Schuster Cobalt Banker hotline. Talk about what you found here in this final piece about what Hennepin County is doing, how they've changed things, and at least in the last few years, it seems to have been working, and how it cares for kids who are in abused homes. Yeah, uh, you know, it it comes down to a a pretty simple proposition, and that is um, how much time do these caseworkers have to deal with these these families? And, uh, you know, it's something we've heard from folks in the trenches since we started our reporting, which is that they're under the gun, they've got too many cases to handle, and they're often not spending enough time to really understand what's going on here and making snap judgments on um, whether parents are ready to get their kids back or not, and too often they're getting that wrong. And so what was really um, fascinating to us was to see how Hennepin County, which admittedly sort of had a gun to its head because, you know, it had been sued for wrongful death several times. It was under a big class action suit for civil rights violations. Um, They decided to boost spending by 70% on child protection services. They hired another 200 workers that dropped the caseloads from about 17 uh, a, a worker to 10, you know, almost half as much at a, at a time. And, and that meant um, that they did get to do their jobs the way they wanted to do their jobs. And as a result, this is a county that used to have one of the worst track records in in the state for repeat abuse where kids, you know, within 12 months of a prior incident were being abused again. Now they're way below the state average. And, you know, those numbers speak volumes to us. So let's back up. The first time we had you on, talk about the reporting that you've done and some of the startling statistics that you found with the problem that you just mentioned. Kids who are in homes that face abuse, they're removed, but somehow they're returned to these homes. And, and sadly, in some of these cases, these kids end up dead. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is where Minnesota is still a, a significant outlier from the rest of the country. Um, they're rushing the judgment on reunifying abused children with their abusive parents. And we have one of the highest repeat abuse rates 
in the nation, and it's as high as 30% in St. Louis County. I mean, they're, you know, they're really an outlier here within the state. Um, you know, and Minnesota, I'm sorry, Hennepin is now under 5%, so that, that should kind of tell you something here. Um, but, you know, the, the overall, you know, issues that we've discovered is that, um, you know, Families um, are supposed to fix their problems before they get their kids back. Mm -hmm. There's supposed to be all kinds of services offered to them um, dealing with it, whether it's anger management or substance abuse. And too often these, these cases are steered down this very, quote, family-friendly track called family assessment, which results way too often in zero services being offered or accepted. And those families going right back to the same old, you know, bad habits that they've been in, and the kids pay the price. And some of those kids die. Some of those children have been repeatedly uh, sexually abused by their parents over a multi-year period or by other relatives and just left in harm's way and just, you know, horrific situations. And so really we've been focusing on, you know, these sort of what you consider avoidable cases of, of repeat abuse uh, and, and, of course, um, avoidable deaths. And so that, I, I think, going forward is, is sort of the crisis that, you know, Minnesota's got to deal with is like, how do we, how do we make some inroads here? How do we uh, turn this thing around? And right now, you know, still far too many cases are not really being significantly investigated. And so um, these, these parents are flying under the radar and, and getting away um, I'm really sad to say, with, with murder in some cases. We're talking to Jeff Mitrod, investigative reporter for the Star Tribune, about this four-part series in harm's way. You mentioned it in your first answer that, you know, Hennepin County was forced to make changes. And increasing, you know, spending on this 70% sounds great, but obviously budgets are tight, and to, for us to expect other counties in Minnesota could do the same thing is probably unrealistic. So what can other counties uh, use from what Hennepin County has done other than spending that much amount of money? What other tools can they get, can they take away from what Hennepin County is doing to improve uh, their situations? Yeah, there are a lot of things that can be done at the county level that don't require extra funding. You know, they can make decisions that they're not going to send as many cases to family assessment um, as they are. I mean, right now, you know, we're hearing from supervisors that they're under pressure from um, the state, from DHS, to get uh, as many cases down the family assessment track as possible. You know, that's to me, that's wrongheaded advice. And colonies are free to, to disregard that. This is not a state-run system. This is a county-run system. And so they can make the decision. We're, n we're just simply not going to do that. We're going we're to investigate the cases that really warrant investigation instead of screening out 80% of them in some counties uh, and, and taking zero action whatsoever. So, you know, there are some very significant things that the counties can do. Um, I'll also, um, you know, this has been, you know, it's, it's, it's a little fuzzy yet. We don't know exactly what the governor's going to come out with. Mm -hmm. But he's saying he, he's going to propose using some of this, you know, billion plus surplus um, to improve funding for child protection efforts. Uh, what's that number going to be like? You know, what's that going to translate to, you know, at the county level? We don't know yet. Yeah. Um, if that if money's there, the to, if, money, if that money's there to begin with, right? Right. And it's not sure not the same size of the surplus no. as we had last year, right? It's, uh, it's a heck of a lot smaller. But um, I tell you, a billion dollars will go a hell of a long way in, in terms of solving this problem. Uh, somebody, uh, Texas raises the point, too, and, the, this, and these cases about kids being returned to homes where an abuser is still there. 
What about the fact that these abusers, I guess, aren't faced? Are, what about the criminal charges that some of these parents have faced that would otherwise put them behind bars? Uh, what, what's happening on that side of it? Uh, you know, there's two. It seems to me there's two different things at pull here: getting the kids removing from them from that situation, but also holding these parents accountable for their actions against these kids. Yeah, to me, you know, and this is something that we have not delved into in a deep way. We may we may look at this um, in the coming months. Is is sort of what is the relationship between child protection agencies and local law enforcement? Sure. And in some counties, you know, it, it looks like it's pretty healthy, and um, they're getting criminal referrals, and these parents are are are, are getting charged appropriately and quickly for for their crimes. In other cases, I've literally seen um, you know situations where parents apparently killed their own child and were never charged. Parents who have sexually abused their children and were never charged. And that just raises humongous questions about what kind of communications are going on with law enforcement and how in the hell, you know, something like that could happen. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, Again, the the series In Harm's Way uh, in the Star Tribune, it's excellent reporting by you and your staff. You talked to us, Jeff, when we talked about a month ago when the first piece was released, just about kind of the emotional toll as a journalist it takes on you just seeing that. But I would imagine that you, at least in this reading, this last piece, there has to be some uplifting things that you also saw about, especially these, these social workers and the people who handle these kids in crisis, just what angels they are in the fact that they're dealing with such difficult situations and seeing the worst in humanity, yet their ability to help these kids. It has to be inspiring for you to see that. It is. I I, you know, my heart goes out to these frontline workers. It's the hardest job uh, I've ever, um, you know, done any kind of research into. They, they're out there. They're directly being exposed to, uh, you know, some of these horrific cases where, you know, just reading about them is bad enough. And I can't imagine what it's like going out there and then having to make really important decisions about what to do with these children, what to do with these parents. So, you know, I think any help that we can give them to help them do their jobs better, it's just critical because they're they're trying. But, you know, it, it, when you're trying to juggle these many cases, stuff's going to fall through the cracks. Is this success that Hennepin County has seen, is it sustainable uh, in the future? I mean, do they still get a, a significant amount of people that want to do this line of work? Well, you know, filling these jobs has been a challenge um, statewide. Um, Hennepin has gone, they've done some pretty smart things with, with this continuous um, hiring um, model that they've implemented as part of these reforms. So they're not waiting for a job to go vacant before they fill it. You know, it's a big, so I mean, clearly it's the biggest child protection agency in the state. So they can, they can do things a little differently and smarter than um, some rural counties, which, you know, doing a continuous hiring thing might be a little difficult if you've got a staff of eight people. Um, but, you know, we've got a staff the size of Hennepin County, then, yeah, you can do some things that, that you've got some real economies of scale. Um, and and that's, that's, I think, helping sort of decrease some of these pressures. It's helped them get these case numbers down to 10 per worker, which is, you know, what all the experts say is, is the number that you want to shoot for and, and make, make the work doable. And that still seems a lot, a lot for one worker, too, 10 cases. But uh, I guess we, we, at least we can start there. Jeff, uh, thank you so much for the time. Great work uh, by you and your colleagues on this. Again, it's uh, In Harm's Way, 
uh, four-part series in the Star Tribune. I encourage anybody and everybody to read it and uh, some sobering stuff, but also in this last one, some encouraging stuff. Jeff, thank you so much for the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Jeff Mitroff from the Star Tribune. It is 1119. All right, let's go. Let's give away some more tickets uh, on a sharp <laughs> turnaround from a very serious subject to something uh, lightening it up significantly. If you want to go see the Chris Stapleton All-American Roadshow, call us now, 651-461-9226. We'll line up three contestants. DJ will read some lyrics. All you got to do is tell us who sang the lyrics. Chris Stapleton, Laney Wilson, or Marcus King, your chance to win tickets next. All right, here we go. Last chance today to win those uh, Chris Stapleton All-American Roadshow tickets. going to be a huge concert next April 6th at U.S. Bank Stadium. we got three contestants lined up, Randy, Chad, and Mary, ready to go. How about that? They're all from W's, too. Randy from Waconia, Chad from Watertown, Mary from Wisconsin. How about that? Uh, so it's pretty simple deal here. You get a, you get on the line here. Dave's going to read some lyrics, and all you got to do is tell us who sang those lyrics. Was it Chris? Was it Laney? Or was it Marcus? So let's go to Randy in Waconia. He was the first to call in. So Randy is our first contestant. Randy, how's how are things in Waconia on this fine Friday morning? Uh, it's a little wet. A little wet. A little, little wet. Little rain out there, huh? Yeah, it is. All right, Randy. Uh, so, are you a big fan of uh, Chris Stapleton, Laney Wilson, and Marcus King, or one of them, or all of them? Or I like Chris Stapleton. I like to listen to him. Very good. Uh, so, here we go. The concept's simple. Dave's about to read some lyrics, and uh, all you got to do is tell us who sang those lyrics out of the three. Uh, you ready to go? You get it? Yep. All right, here we go. Dave, go ahead. All right, here's the lyric for today. You only need a roof when it's raining. You only need a fire when it's cold. Hmm. I am going to guess Chris Stapleton. Are those Chris Stapleton lyrics? How about that, Randy? That's from the song Parachute. From the Traveler album, probably his most popular album. Randy, congratulations. You got it right. You got those tickets. You're going to see Chris Stapleton, Laney Wilson, and Marcus King. Chris Stapleton's All-American Roadshow next April 6th at U.S. Bank Stadium. How do you feel about that? Oh, that's awesome. Pretty good Friday deal. Yeah, you uh, you got somebody in mind you want to take with you or you, you need well, some ideas? Take my wife. Take your wife. Yeah, take them wife. What's her yeah. name? Renee. Randy and Renee and Waconia are going to be there April 6th. At U.S. Bank Stadium. Hey, Randy, thanks so much. Congratulations. Hang on the line. DJ's going to get some info from you. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You bet. There he goes. Randy in Waconia. He's going to be going to see uh, Chris Stapleton. Wow, big thanks to all our uh, participants this week. Most of them, Dave, got it on the uh, first try. Uh, yeah, I think three out of five days. It was yeah. the first uh, caller. They must be fans. I like yeah. that. So, um... Hopefully we'll have some uh, tickets to to another event. You know, I'm trying to get those fish tickets at the Sphere. Fish is coming, playing the Sphere, the Sphere in Las Vegas. I tried for the pre-sale, and I didn't get them. But they go on sale to the general public in about a half hour, so I'm going to hop online and see if I can uh, buy at least one show to see fish at the Sphere. Because I think that would be very cool to do. So being a good guy that I am, the other day, I... Uh, 
Oh, live on air dials. I, I didn't even have time to set this up. What does it go? CJ in Plymouth? Is that his usual line? Yeah, this line? is CJ in Plymouth. Will he answer the phone? Will his mailbox be full like Probably. Yours? Well, I know he doesn't personalize his mailbox, so. Your call has been forwarded to voicemail. The person you are trying to reach is not available. At the tone, please record your message. Australian? When you have finished recording, you may hang up. Dead to me. Hang up on that clown. He's probably in the middle of prepping for a show. But we were trying to call Chad there. Because Chad, uh, so he comes in the other day. He's out of sorts. I feel for him. I've been there. And he said he didn't have a chance to get uh, lunch. So he asked me, hey, can you run and get me a sandwich? You know what? I was going to head to a movie, but, uh, you know, my guy is feeling a little down, a little disheveled. I'm going to do him a solid by going and getting him a sandwich. So I went over, waited in line for a good 15, 20 minutes to get the sandwich. And I got the sandwich for him. The one he wanted, he said, just give me a wreck at Potbelly. Good sandwiches, too, by the way. If you haven't had a Potbelly, get a Potbelly sandwich. So I got him the sandwich. And I brought it back. Mm-hmm. I bet he was just thrilled and thankful to you for doing such a good deed. I, was, I waited in line, I think it was an hour and a half probably. And I brought it back to him. And um, didn't hear anything of it. So yesterday I come in, had a meeting with Brad after the show scheduled right at noon. And Chad's like, hey, can you hang around? I said, well, I got a meeting with Brad. Uh, yeah, but just hang around. I, I just got to talk to you about something on the air. Sure. I'm expecting, you know what? He's going to put me on the air and say, sing my praises, mm-hmm. saying, when you call a friend, here's, when you look up friend in the dictionary, true friend, you're going to see a picture of this guy, Adam Carter. Instead, he gets me on the air to rip me for not putting condiments on the sandwich. Have you, I've never been so offended in my entire life. You talk about uh, being a beggar and a chooser. You talk about, uh, you know, the old saying, no good deed goes unpunished. I got berated, abused, degraded for not putting any condiments on a sandwich. Well, here he comes with his, what, did you just trek in from the Arctic with that coat? I think that's the right move, by the way. If you don't know what the person's condiment order would be, you go without I'm not going to put on, well, I'd, rather than ruin the sandwich with something, I know he doesn't like mayo, so I was like, mayo's out. You know me very well. You I don't know, know you that what well. I like. By the way, is that quiche? It is quiche. Whoa, la dee da What makes something, uh, Byerly's Lund's quiche, what makes it a quiche? As opposed to an egg bake. Yes. Why is this not an egg bake and it's a quiche? I like both. Cheryl Carter, I've said this, my mom, and she admits it, not a great cook by any stretch of the imagination. She's really nice. Take a cheap but shot she, of your mom. But she, I'm praising her, her egg bake is fantastic. Fantastic. A Christmas morning tradition. Uh, we like to have that uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas also. What, it, David, do you know? Egg bake, quiche, how do we how do we determine which is which? I feel uh, like quiche has a more greens in it. There, there's more like vegetables in a quiche. You're saying not allowed in an egg bake? No, it is, but I think I, uh, it's probably the same thing, but I think quiche, you know, it's probably your income level. I think if you make less than <laughs> 150000 a year, it's an egg bake. It's an egg bake. If you're north of that, it, you're eating quiche. <laughs> I don't really love either of them, but I tell you, I'm, I mean, I, wow. I could eat right now. I bet you could too, Adam. Chad, you got a half an hour until your show? 
Right? Yeah. I mean, did, you, did you forget your lunch? Why don't you go, well, yeah, yeah, I didn't bring a lunch. No. You want to no, go get us no, something? that's not what I asked. I said, did you forget your lunch? Yeah, I forgot. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, you're not going to go get us something? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, I know this. If I went to Potbelly, which is excellent, I wouldn't come back with the Sahara Desert-like sandwich. Oh, I would I would have put go. some things God. on there, some oil, You some would just peppers. pretend that you knew exactly what we wanted and then put random things on the... <laughs> Just like splash well, the whole condiment here's what thing I know. On here's there. what I know you don't like. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next time I get you a sandwich, which probably won't happen, there will be some liquid on it. That I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> I will say this. I've been inundated with the trades reaching out to me about that content. It's the trades. <laughs> I was telling mustache stories yesterday. Yeah. Very good. On, on the air? No. Oh. Well, I think I might have won, but yeah, we were just... Point pie out. crust. People say quiche is in a pie crust, where egg bake is usually, I guess, like a, um, like a cake, like a casserole. Dish. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Yeah. How's the show? I was doing well until you walked in. Wow. You was, ca- well, you called me too. I didn't realize it. Oh yeah. Well, why do you have an Australian woman answering the phone for you? Is that a f- f- Australian phone service? I can't comment. Curb your enthusiasm. Done. Are you? How how devastated are we? Completely and totally, yeah. and then that bottom feeder to Russia watches. It's not even that good. Oh, stop! I, I hope see. he's fired today. Yes, honestly, let's call for his fire. I hope Alyssa divorces yeah. him today. I doesn't like Curb. I, I bet this guy doesn't like Curb either. Oh, he would like Curb, I think. But he's never watched. Never, a second. never watched a second of it. No. I wish I could say that right now. I wouldn't leave my house for six months because <laughs> it's so good. We got coming up on the show today. Major, uh, major at the start. Okay. Major start, and a few of the topics that you've discussed yep. also include, again, Mary Moriarty. Right. I mean. What are we doing here? Exactly. What are we doing here? Yep. You know, you've had the the week with the exoneration of Marvin Haynes, which is good, but come on. Yep. That sentence for right. that act? And considering what the sentence in the very similar case in St. Paul. Yes. What, what the, the charges in the sentence no. there. Uh, Chad's coming up at noon, 1133, uh, traffic and weather. And working uh, like Chad into your 70s, what do we think about that? Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I understand that like a lot of Americans, based on the high cost of living, uh, traditionally low wages, not making as much money they had hoped in life, uh, work longer. That the retirement age keeps inching higher and higher. But you know what? There's a lot of people who just like working. I don't know if I'll be on the radio when I'm 68 years old. I, I, but I have a feeling I'm going to be working in some capacity. A, it's nice to have the income, obviously. B, I just don't want to, you know, do nothing. Of course, you know, there's things I want to do in retirement, traveling and all that, but it's not to say that you still can't have at least a part-time job to fulfill you. I bring that up because, you know, one in five seniors are working. That's higher number than in a long, long time. It's about 11 million senior citizens who remain in the workforce. 
It's quadruple the figure of the mid-80s. Now, a lot of that has to do with people just need to work. They need money. And it's sad that the social safety nets we have or personal private you know, safety nets that we've accumulated aren't enough to sustain us in retirement. But a lot of it has to do with they just like working, which also leads to another statistic that older workers are happier workers. Older workers tend to be more satisfied with their work than Americans under the age of 65 because Americans who work jobs they didn't like or found stressful opted to retire by the age of 65. So that means people who are still working tend to have jobs that they enjoy more. So I can definitely, if I'm allowed to you know, live my life and do the traveling I want to do, uh, hopefully see my grandkids at that time and my kids at that time, I have zero problem with continuing to work later in life because, like, I work now. I have a full-time job now. I'm able to do the things I love to do as well. Do I want that balance to move towards doing the things I love to do more than actually working? Yes, but if working is still part of that equation, I have zero problem with that. Do you – like – I don't ever remember a time where I was focused on, okay, it's going to be 65 or 63 or 62, and then boom, I'm done working, and then it's golfing, uh, fishing, mm-hmm. uh, traveling, blah, 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 blah. I've always been kind of up in the air, not fi- based on what I've made over my life and how it's like, I've okay, I, don't, I really don't know. It's not really coming into a clear picture of how long I'm going to be working. I'm curious as to a younger person, what does that look like for you? Do you have an idea yet of how you see quote-unquote retirement for you? Well, I think the idea of what I will do versus the financial reality of it is different. So the financial reality, like, yes, like we save money for retirement and have somebody that helps us figure out how to do that. And I think that's a wise financial thing to do. But in terms of just thinking about what kind of life I want, to me, you said the word balance, and that's what it's all about Mm -hmm. for me. And what that means is, yeah, like I'm fine, I'm happy, I think I will want to work well into my older years, but I also, the converse of that is that I want to do all those things that maybe you look forward to in retirement. I want to do them now, which yeah. is why I travel. I ski. Yes. I like it, the things that are important to me to see the world and do what I want to do. Um, I am not waiting to retirement. I'm going to do as yep. much of those as I can every single year along yep. the way. And then if that means, I don't know, if I blow a bunch of my money and have to work a little bit in retirement because of that, so be it. I'm yep. going to try to live now. That is, uh, I think your view is a view of many, many people. Uh, and I think I'm right on kind of the line of how that has shifted, where you know people older than me and generations older than my generation, it was, nope, you work. And even if it's a job you don't like, you keep working, build that nest egg, and then retire and do all the stuff you want to do. And Dave, you just hit it. There's those of us who are like, you know what, I'm I'm in good shape now. I'm young now. I want to do this stuff when I still have the ability to do it uh, at a level that I want to do it. So why would I wait? Um, let's go to the phones here on this. Pat is in Worthington. Pat, thanks for uh, jumping in here. Um, working uh, into uh, the quote-unquote retirement age, uh, is that something, A, do you do, or how do you feel about that? Oh, yes. I, I started it last uh, August first and uh basically i'm i work for a school district and for 30 years and now i'm half time mm-hmm. 
and I can do that. And I still enjoy doing what I'm doing. I just didn't want to do it full time right. anymore. And uh, so I still enjoy and we're mentoring in a new person. And I humorously came up with the term uh, transfer of wisdom. <laughs> That's what it is, though. I mean, that, you know, that last sec- that, yeah. in the, the last segment, we just talked to uh, Jeff Mitrat from the Star Tribune about that. That's what Hennepin County is doing is about taking the workers they have and continuously hiring new people so they can get that mentorship with the people who've been there right. instead of just saying, OK, you're gone. Great job. Uh, now we'll hire somebody else to yep. do it. Uh, blending that experience, I, I love that. Let me ask you this: Is it uh, how how long do you plan on continuing to do that? Is it just something out of pure love that you enjoy it, and that's why you keep doing it? Or financially, do you still need to do that? I just enjoy doing it because uh, under the PERA rules, I can do it for up to five years. Got it. I don't plan on that long. I'm I plan on through. Another another year, maybe, so about a total of 18 months. Very good. Well, Patrick, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it, and uh, good job. Thank you. You bet. Have a great weekend. Pat in Worthington, Minnesota. Beautiful Worthington, Minnesota. Some of the techs here. Working as part of the American way of life. I feel I'm going to work my entire life, and I'm only in my mid-30s now. Uh, Many seniors who want to remain active do volunteer work after retirement. That's from Walt. Yeah, that's great, too. Well, I think that's a good point. When you get to retirement age, like hopefully you've made some wise financial decisions so that you can either pick the job or you could pick a job that you don't necessarily need to get paid for or don't need a high paycheck for. And it's a nice bonus, but hopefully you've made decisions that you can really just have your choice of what you're doing. My dad is 80. He still works as an independent insurance agent. He prepares taxes too. He doesn't ever want to retire, though my mom would love him to. He thinks if he retires, he'll be too bored. Uh, absolutely not. I've been working to the bone all my life, but come 65, that's it. I'm done. Off to Wisconsin to just relax. Adam, I hope you're not on the radio at 68 just saying. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Shot, shots wow. fired. But they're right. I don't, I don't yeah. want to be on the radio at 68. Especially in this role of somebody who's well, trying to, you know, do be relevant and talk about topics that people are interested in. Been there, done that at 68. Yeah, but maybe, no, maybe at 68. You're, maybe it's a senior citizen show. Or you're up at the cabin all the time and you do your sports. I'm Jim Gilbert. I'll be the new yes, Jim Gilbert. Yes. I'll talk about the chickadees and the, and the robins uh, that are out on my front porch, and I'll be checking in with because I'm, su- I'm sure Susie Jones will be on the radio here on Sunday morning. She'll call me and, hello, Susie. Well, I was just out on the back porch, and I saw a fawn, and I saw a... Uh, I saw a Yeti. A Yeti came through this morning. I could, you know, I've taken a drink earlier in the day, so I'm, I'm not sure if that really was what it was. But anyway, you and your listeners will enjoy that. And now let's talk about, you know, I'd love that. Or I'll just do a, you know, a podcast. I'll have one subscriber and my podcast will be, uh, will be out there. I think it depends on people's individual circumstances. Plus, our society's not very welcome to older workers. Is that still the case? I sure. I certainly think that there's absolutely there's lines of work where older workers are, yeah. but I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of companies that absolutely welcome mm-hmm. older workers and count on older workers. Yeah, I think there's a especially difference. you know if this is true and there were older workers are happier workers. Those are workers people want. There's a difference though between somebody who's older and kind of hanging on to the glory years versus an older person who knows they're yes. on their way out and is trying to mentor and right. support the next generation. Big difference there. Well, we'll bring that back next week. 1148, uh, the Friday Rewind up next. So should I have put an end 
time on the Evite so people know when to get the hell out of my house. No. Yes. No. You read the room. Read the, We're not kindergartners. I didn't put an end time because I thought that that would be rude. I thought, oh, and I, you know, if people want to stay, we should celebrate. I didn't want to put an end time. But are, do people not to. know when to leave? You I, should know when to leave. I don't think I don't think it's even about when to leave. I think it's about knowing when to come and timing your arrival. Because if I knew the party was going to be over at nine, mm-hmm. then I would have showed up before seven thirty-five. Because that feels like a little too late in the party for me to show up. Our next guest is asking the U.S. Department of Education to investigate concerns about anti-Semitism. At the place where he works, that is the University of Minnesota. We welcome Richard Painter into the conversation. So help me understand how university professors could possibly be defending these kinds of actions. I don't understand. It makes absolutely no sense for me. Uh, A lot of crazy theories have been pushed around the universities, uh, critical theory and everything. So arguing that they're the oppressed and the oppressors and somehow that the Jews are the oppressors, even though 2,000 years of history has shown us something very different, and the Palestinians are the oppressed, and therefore rape and murder, all of that is okay. I mean, we have a gender studies department that has a webpage talking about the Hamas attack that never once mentions the fact that women and girls were raped and corpses, dead bodies were raped. And the College of Liberal Arts Dean uh, won't do anything to take down those web pages, even though I uh, repeatedly wrote to her and saying they needed to be taken down. This is very, very troubling. Marvin Haynes walked out of a prison yesterday in Stillwater. He'd been there for uh, about 20 years after he was convicted of uh, killing a flower shop owner in Minneapolis. Andrew Marquardt is uh, the chief attorney for the uh, Innocence Project, the group that helps get innocent people out of prison. You know, really what this case is about uh, was eyewitness identifications, which we know is some of the most problematic type of evidence you can have. There was just a litany of uh, ways in which they deviated from best practices, violated their own internal policies. And at the most basic level, Marvin just didn't match the description that the, the principal eyewitness provided. He was several inches shorter. He was about 50 pounds lighter than what she described. Uh, really strikingly, he had a large afro at the time, and she described someone with short cropped hair. I mean, it wasn't even close. All right, Nathan is in St. Paul. Let's uh, hear the lyrics again, Nathan. Today's lyric is, "Okay, I can hook a trailer on a two-inch hitch. Okay, I'm going to guess Laney Wilson. You got it! You got it! Great. Thank you. Here we go. You know, Dave fooled me on this one because I thought, well, it's got to be one of the guys. But no, then it makes sense that it would be the the woman. I have another question about the two-inch hitch. Okay, go ahead. Did Mark hook the trailer to the two-inch hitch on the back of the car? Yes. I know you get the hitch that has three different balls on it. And you can tow three balls. Yeah, three balls. Yeah, spin it around. And, yeah, spin it around, and you can tow a bunch of different stuff with your multi-ball. It's a lot of balls. you got to remove hitch. it from the receiver, though, or else it gets rusted yeah. in there. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. But you have to cut the balls off? No, no. What? No. The, the shaft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I walked right into that one. <laughs> Ten, gotta this is grotesque radio. Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.